Hello, and welcome to the Elk River Lutheran Church Powered by Love podcast, recorded in beautiful downtown Elk River, Minnesota, right on the banks of the Mississippi River. Today we'll explore the Bible, life, and faith. So sit back, relax, and enjoy some sacred wit. To be powered by love is a spiritual thing, more than a feeling. To be powered by love Don't take money Don't take fame Don't take no credit card To ride this train It's strong and sudden It's cruel sometimes But it might just save Your life To be powered by love We are starting a new sermon series this week So on the front cover of the bulletin Is one word Four, and it's not a golfing thing, uh, although uh, I am a bad golfer, so that'd be a good thing for me to yell on the golf course. Uh, we're not, that, it's not about golfing. What it is about is what we are for. What are we as a church for? What are we as individual people of faith for? And, uh, you know, what does Jesus say that we should be for? What does Jesus say that he is for? And what Jesus says he is for is for us. Jesus is for you and calls us to be for one another and for love. And so we celebrate that in that Gospel of John today. And uh, the reason we're leaning into this theme for and what we as a church are for is because for so long the church has been known not so much about what it's for, but what it's against. Against things like smoking and drinking, against uh, all number of sorts of things, who is in and who is out. And we don't really think that that's exactly what Jesus' message was all about when he was here walking the earth. And so we're celebrating what we're for rather than what we're against. Uh, here's a little example of uh, what church has sometimes been against. I'll share from my church growing up. At my little church growing up, we used to have potluck dinners and uh, the whole counter was full of all these meals. And then at the end, we'd set up for the potlucks a little square table. It had four legs. It was square about yay high. Uh, Y'all know what that kind of table is called? A card table. No, 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 not at church. That was a folding table because good Christian folks don't have a card table at church. Are you kidding me? That was a folding table. At home, it was a card table. But there at the church, it was a folding table because... The church was against card playing. Now, the funny thing was, that was actually kind of generations even before me, and yet it had kind of carried over, even though many of the people there, including the pastor, were probably fine with cards by that point. It was still called a folding table because there were some who were not okay with it. A pastor friend of mine shared a story the other day about uh, a woman who had talked to him the first time she came to his church, and he, she said that you know, when she was younger, the church had kind of traumatized her, and she went on to tell a story about something the church had made sure it was clear to her what was good and what was bad, what they were for, but more, what they were against. And what happened was there was a high school dance, and the pastor, when the uh, this girl showed up at the dance. The pastor was standing at the door of the gym with a ruler to measure how long all the skirts were and to send home those Lutheran girls who were a little too short a skirt. Again, what the church is against 
versus what the church is for. And what we celebrate is what the church is for is this life-giving mission that Jesus calls us to, to love one another and to love God. And when we do that, our lives are better and so are the lives of the people around us. And so we're celebrating what we are for. So welcome to worship here this morning. Today's reading comes from the 13th chapter of John, beginning with the 31st verse. When he had gone out, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man has been glorified, and in God has been glorified in him. If God has been glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and will glorify him at once. Little children, I am with you only a little longer. You will look for me. And as I said to the Jews, so now I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. I give you a new commandment, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Here ends the reading. Well, I brought some flowers here today. And I brought them, and I brought them with a question. What are flowers even for? <laughs> what are flowers for? I mean, they look nice, they smell kind of nice, but what are they really for? So I was thinking about that a lot this week. I got these flowers at the farmer's market. The Elk River Farmer's Market takes place every Thursday just across the street here, and pretty much every week I go there. Half the time, uh, my wife Annie and our kids come with us. Uh, the other half the time, I just go over there by myself, and I get my favorite things. I get things like uh, this one lady makes these amazing salted nut rolls. I like to get those. I get the kettle corn. Go to the Wisconsin cheese guy. Get some cheese curds. All the healthiest, fresh produce you can get. Do usually get some fruits and vegetables, but one of our favorite stops every week is one of these farmers who puts together these bouquets of fresh cut flowers. I love flowers and they're beautiful. My wife Annie likes them and so we always get one of these bouquets. 10 bucks, this is an advertisement for them. Go to the farmer's market, find these bouquets. They're beautiful. They're different every week by what flowers are blooming that week and they're always gorgeous. So I've been thinking about that question, you know, what are flowers for? And it reminds me of the experiences I have pretty much every time I go to the market. Uh, every time I go by myself, and I'm carrying all of my things, my big tube of popcorn, my fruits and vegetables, my whatever, all that stuff. Guess what the one thing that everyone looks at and everyone comments on? It's the flowers. It's the flowers. And they always say any variety of things, but usually they're kind of in this realm. It's something like, ooh, lucky lady. Or they say, uh-oh, someone's in trouble. Or uh, just... Two weeks ago, I was crossing the street, uh, right coming up to Main Street, and the traffic gets backed up there, and there was a big old pickup with the window down, and the guy looks at the flowers, and he goes, someone's getting lucky tonight. <laughs> I turned this color, the color of this nice daisy here. I thought, oh boy. So that's what flowers are for, it turns out. Uh, pickup truck guy, I understood it. Uh, so what are flowers for? Uh, this whole question actually sent me down a rabbit hole this week where I did a little bit of research on flowers and I listened to a TED talk by a guy named Lewis Miller who's a florist in New York City who did a whole TED talk about flowers and it was fascinating. What he called flowers was nature's most fabulous way of showing off. 
And he pointed out that flowers are actually a part of our pretty regular lives, and not just the regular lives, but the extraordinary parts of our lives, that flowers are a universal way of saying, I love you. Also a universal way of saying, I'm sorry. The people at the market, they're onto something. It's a way of saying, happy birthday, congratulations, uh, goodbye, hello. <laughs> All of these different ways of communicating big, important, special times Flowers can do that for us. They say, I care. He talked about how from the beginning of time, flowers have been used in religious ceremonies. Uh, every religion from pagan right up to church here today, uh, we have flowers involved in the services so often. Whether it's a wedding or a funeral, Easter morning, we have lilies and all these spring flowers. Flowers are always a part of those religious ceremonies. They're an important part of these milestones of life. Birthdays, anniversary, Valentine's Day, day after day, these big special days, flowers find their way into our lives in order to communicate beauty and specialness in a way that it seems like only flowers can do. And, for what it's worth, flowers are the reproductive system of plants. So, uh, the big truck guy yelling out the window is actually not too far off. Flowers help plants get lucky. That's how they produce seeds and fruit. And so when you think about the crops that we eat, all of these fruits and vegetables, the majority of them would not be here for us to eat were it not for flowers. Those same bees and hummingbirds that pollinate uh, those foods, when they're not pollinating foods, are eating these things. And so it's all a part of an ecosystem that not only brightens our world, fills it with cheer and color, but also feeds the world. Holy cow, so what are flowers for? <laughs> a lot. Flowers are for a lot. The big question I want to focus on today, really though, isn't just about flowers. It's about us. And it's this question. What are you for? And in particular, I want to ask it in two ways. This one question in two ways. What do you want to be known for? And what are you known for? This is a good question, I think, for us as individuals. If you own or run a business, it's a good question to ask for your business. Uh, it's a good question for us to ask as a church. What do you want to be known for? And what are you known for? I think those questions go well together because what we want to be known for and what we actually are known for, in a perfect world, they line up perfectly. But in reality, uh, we're sometimes a little off and it takes an ongoing effort to try to bring those things into alignment. Here's what I mean. Uh, when I think about what do I really want to be known for, usually comes back to me for being a good family guy. Not, not a Peter Griffith, but like a good family man, right? I want to be a guy who is known for being patient and kind with his kids, who's known as a supportive partner with my spouse, uh, who's known for always having time for my family and making sure that they are my top priority. In a perfect world, that's what I want to be known for. But in reality, Sometimes I lose my patience with my kids and get a little frustrated. Can you imagine? Sometimes my wife and I bicker a little bit and don't always get along perfectly and be perfectly supportive in the way we wish we were. And if you looked at my calendar, you might not always think that I'm always making my family the top priority. Because all too often I find myself saying something like, oh yeah, I think I can fit in another meeting this Thursday night. That'll, that'll be okay. It'll be okay. What do you want to be known for 
And what are you known for? That big question, what do you want to be known for, is really kind of a legacy question. It's what do you want to be known for years and years down the road, maybe even after you are dead and gone, what do you want to be known and remembered for? I'm guessing that all of us could think of a lot of people who have died who we remember, who we remember the things that they were known for and remember it really fondly. I could share a lot of different examples here today, but the one I want to share is my great uncle Erling. Uh, That was my dad's uncle who, uh, my dad's dad, my grandpa, died before I was born, so I never knew him. But I knew my great uncle Erling, who my dad took over farming for, who lived in the town where I went to school, all those things. So he was there. And so I think about the things that he was known for, and a few things come to my mind right away. One, he was known for his Oshkosh bib overalls. You know those farmer bibs with the striped blue and the white? Uh, He always wore those, except for at church when he wore a suit. It was those bib overalls. He was totally a farmer. Even after he moved to town, he had this huge strawberry patch and apple trees in his front yard. I just remember all of those fruits and vegetables that he grew. He was a farmer. He taught me how to jumpstart a car in a way that scared me almost to death because he banged the things together and they sparked like crazy. And I thought, I'll never be able to do this. But then he laughed and he taught me how to really do it. <laughs> when I was in seminary, uh, he sent me a check to help pay for seminary. And that was kind of the time where it started to set into me just how generous of a person he was. He wasn't like, you know, insanely wealthy or anything, but he always had plenty to share and to help others. And so I remember getting that letter in the mail, and letters may be generous. There weren't a lot of words. Uh, It was a short note saying, this is to help with seminary, Erling. And it was the biggest check I'd ever got. It helped me pay for a whole year of seminary. And, uh, you know, in a lot of ways, I don't know how I would have gotten here if it wasn't for that kind of help. After he died, we heard story after story about his generosity. That was what he was known for. I don't know if he ever wrestled with that question, what do you want to be known for? But he lived his life in such a way that even after he's gone, we all remember and know what he was known for. Uh, If you've been around here before, you've probably heard me talk about how in 2011, my wife Annie and I, our house was flooded, and we had to rebuild the whole house from floor to ceiling. And that was a whole big ordeal. I will not go into all the details. But uh, in that process, as we rebuilt, after tearing it down to the studs, we had to do insulation. And so one step along, we got bids for different kinds of insulation, and we opted to go with this guy who was from my hometown who had a spray foam insulation business. Now, spray foam, it's a good high R value and it's especially good for those skinny little two by four walls that our old house had and so we were excited to do it even though it was kind of expensive it was going to cost several thousand dollars but we thought you know it'll make the house tight and warm it'll be perfect and so he did the spray foaming and uh, I remember we got the bill in the mail and I opened it up and I got really confused because I was looking and it was supposed to be several thousand dollars and instead it was like $227.34, which was a really weird number, I thought, and way not enough. And so I called the guy and I said, I don't know what's going on, but I I got the bill. And he said, yeah, I kind of figured you'd give me a call. I said, yeah, (laughs) what's going on? And he went on to tell me, he said, when I was just starting a business a number of years ago, 
your great uncle Erling helped me to start that business. That first business didn't end up working out, but it made it possible for me to start this business, which has changed everything for me, provide for my family in great ways, and it wouldn't have ever been possible if it weren't for Erling. And so I just wanted to, I guess, pay it forward, kind of pay him back, thank him by helping you. This was years after Erling had died, and that legacy of generosity lived on and continued to surprise me and bless me in amazing, profound, powerful ways. What do you want to be known for? Jesus, in this gospel reading for today, lifts up the importance of what we are known for. That that, more than anything, is what is important. What do you want to be known for? What Jesus does through the gospels isn't give a whole list of people who are in and who are out, of all the things that you should not do. It's not a list of things that you should be against, but all of these teachings of Jesus are about how there is a place for everyone at the table. That there is room for all in this community of faith in this beautiful world. God has created, that you and everyone around you has a place here. It's a list of what Jesus is for, is everyone. It's all of us. And so we give thanks for that. In this gospel reading, Jesus gives some language to what we should be for in John 13 when he says that you love one another just as I have loved you, so you should love one another. By that, Everyone will know that you are my disciples by your love for one another. It's going to be by what we are for that the whole world knows the love of Jesus. It's all about what we are for, for loving Jesus, for loving God, but for loving one another and for the people in our lives. I think about uh, when I first started thinking about flowers earlier this week, and I thought, well, what are flowers even for? Yes, they, they smell nice and they kind of look pretty, but what's the point? And after some real serious reflection, I realized, holy cow, flowers are basically present at all the milestones in our lives. They communicate specialness and beauty in a way that you know, only they can. And you know, they help feed the world. Flowers matter. And what I want to say today is that you matter too. The things that you are for, the things that you want to be known for matter in the same ways that these flowers matter. You might think on the surface level, oh, I'm just one person. What do, what do I have to you know, impact the world? But the things that you are for matter to the people around you and to this world. Just like all these years later, I'm remembering what my great uncle Erling was for. What will people remember what you are for? This is the question we wrestle with. What do you want to be known for? When you wrestle with this question, you will be blessed and so will the world around you. Thanks be to God. Amen. Well, thanks for joining us. You can find more information about Elk River Lutheran Church at our website, elkriverlutheran.org. And if you'd like to give to support this podcast and the other ministries of the church, just click that Give button at the top of the homepage. Thanks again, and have a great week. Don't take money, don't take fame, but it might just save your life to be powered by love.